0: Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to Expand Summit. Uh, Today we have a very, very special guest. The name is Rasho, and uh, well, he's the founder of Tech London Advocates and Global Tech Advocates with over 20,000 members worldwide. This is amazing. (laughs) Wow. And uh, well, just uh, a few more words about Russ. Um, He was um, awarded Commander of the Order of the British Empire by the Queen uh, in uh, 2021. He's a founding partner of London Tech Week. Uh, He is also a London Tech Ambassador for the Major of London. Uh, And uh, uh, he's advisory board member for Founders for Schools and the government's digital skills partnership. So it's a lot. Wow, (laughs) welcome, Russ.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. My, My days are a bit busy at the moment, as you can imagine.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you you have uh, an amazing uh, background, which I, I would like to ask you about. And uh, sure. so let's start with the with this. Uh, where do you start? Uh, where did you find the passion about tech and uh, and impacting tech later?
1: Uh, sure. Well, I think for me, I, I I've worked in the technology sector and the telecom sector for over 20 years. So I've worked in companies like Skype. Uh, Well, now it's called Virgin Media at the time. It was called NTL. I was the CEO of a later stage startup called Mobile Way. I worked for O2 and Telefonica. So I've worked for some big companies. I've worked for some startups, but I've always been fascinated by how technology can change our lives and and the impact that it can have on our lives, both for the good and sometimes for the not so good. Um, And so for me, it's it's been quite a journey that I've been on. And then I stopped my full-time corporate work um, after Skype when we were bought by Microsoft. And um, I thought, you know, I want to do something different. I want to do something that gives back to the technology sector. And that's where tech Tech London Advocates and Global Tech Advocates were created.
0: Well, that's that's great. I mean, uh, you've really built an amazing community with so many members all over the world and uh, and I know because I'm a member as well. Uh, that right. you you also built um, a lot of uh, nice group inside of Tech London advocates and a lot of them are really focus on on different topics uh, like women in black uh, in tech uh, um, or blockchain. So some of them are more related to um, specific groups, some other to specific technology. Um, how uh, well? How did you build this amazing community in a so short time?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I think, for me, the whole differentiating factor about what we've done is this is all built on the spirit of volunteerism. So I do all of this pro bono as my give back to tech. And going back to 2013, when I launched Tech London Advocates, I wanted to create an open, inclusive community where anybody could be feel like they're part of a group that was supporting the tech sector in London and getting behind the startups and scale-ups that were emerging in in London tech. Um, I wanted to make it an accessible group, open to anyone. Um, Advocates now introduce new advocates. We have advocates who come in through our working groups. Um, I try and do one or two events during the year. Um, And I frankly underestimated how much this volunteer-driven approach to the community would play such a significant role. The, the working groups that you mentioned, you know, Black Women in Tech, Scale Up, Blockchain, we've got over 40 working groups in the London group. Those are all organically driven, with people coming to me saying, Russ, I want to set up a working group that focuses on this. And we sit down and we talk about the objectives, we get some logos together, we make sure that we're planning some activities and events. And they just take on a life of their own. So our TLA Women in Tech Group is probably the largest women in tech group in the UK with over 4,000. The Black Women in Tech Group, I think they've just gone over 2,000. They have their own events, their own websites, their own meetups. And it really is about, I think, empowering people to make an impact on the technology sector. So I run the London Group, and then I've also set up this this community called Global Tech Advocates. So the London Group is now one of over 20 networks around the world that form Global Tech Advocates where we've replicated the volunteer-driven model of, of supporting tech ecosystems, whether they're in China, Japan, Singapore, India, going all the way to the Americas, to the Bay Area, to Canada, to Mexico, to Colombia.
0: Thank you. You did really an, an amazing job, uh, and uh, and the community you built again. I'm a member of, of this, so I know how much work you you and uh, everybody put into it. Uh, I really think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, well, about impact uh, and technology, what is your your point of view? How technology is matching uh, or accelerating uh, impact in the world, and w- what will be the next steps.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the whole notion of impact investing. I've done some investing myself over the years. And, and as you know, as an advocate yourself, you know we work with many early stage startups and uh, scale-ups to introduce them to potential investors in our network. And I think what we're now seeing is one of the most important considerations for investors is they're looking at uh, proposals and ways in which a company can prioritize sustainability and be a positive force for climate change. Um, if you go back to 2020, according to Bowhurst, which is a company that we, we work closely with, I think nearly 800 million pounds of investment has gone into clean tech companies in the UK, which is just a phenomenal result. So the investors I speak with are particularly interested in the circular economy, new battery technologies, um, how can uh, resources be more efficiently deployed, how do we reduce carbon emissions, um, and proposals which operate in these spaces, I think, are generating some really great interest. So I think when I look at investors, when frankly I look at myself, um, it's about taking a holistic approach to the investments in a world where we have to be so much more conscious about our lasting impact and our footprint. So it's a really, really significant area for the technology sector and our focus in both Tech London Advocates and Global Tech Advocates.
0: So, we, which is the um, the main suggestion you can give to an investor that wants to start to invest in impact? Because uh, as you I'm sure you know, there is a lot of confusion right now about uh, impact investing, which is impact, which is not really impact uh, how an investor can can choose, how we can choose the right uh, company, which is really making impact uh, in in the real world and and not just talking about it. Uh, So do you have any suggestion about how to choose the right uh, company to invest in?
1: Well, you know, it it, it is a tough question. I mean, it sounds like a simple one, but it it is, I think, a bit more challenging because to your point, I think there is a lot of hype and everybody's saying that they're doing something. And we've seen this, not just with impact investing, but all kinds of new technologies. You know, for a while, everybody was an AI company or everybody had blockchain capabilities. So for me, it's about, you know, looking at the basics of what the company is doing and are they leveraging technologies that are available to make a difference? Um, and, and I always say to people, look, you know, when you're looking at investing in companies, you know, those companies for me shouldn't be about reinventing the wheel. A lot of the technology that we have today can address issues related to Climate change to sustainability, but how we go about doing it. One of the key things that we've learned from our community, Elisa, is that it's really, really critical for these companies to show that they're tracking and measuring the results that their business is having. You know, how do they capture the data? Um, you know, just even the basics, which is, you know, how do they measure the waste from their business this year versus the previous year, and are they? Are they moving the needle in the right way? So, to me, it's about asking the basics, kind of cutting through the noise and saying, ultimately, what are the objectives of your business? What is the ethos? What are the values of your organization? And are you also walking the talk? You know, you might have this great capability that can help companies drive a better sustainability record, but are you doing this yourself? Are you implementing what you're doing? So those are, you know, to me, it's about just looking at the basics and and really understanding, is this company really a serious player? And if so, then what is their growth potential? How many uh, different sectors would be interested in what they're doing. Have they already gained traction with some organizations that want to deploy their, their products and services? So that's that's kind of how I look at it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That a uh, great point. I mean, I, I think today it's really to make uh, a mix between the traditional uh, things that you look at a, uh, a startup when you want to invest it, Uh, And on top of that, you need to add this layer about the business model that really make an impact. And uh, of course, the topic of measurement, it's so hot right now, because uh, again, there is it's not easy to find a way to uh, have a measure for everybody because it's so different from industry to another industry. They are all impact investment. Uh, they are all impact startups, but uh, one it's about climate. The other one is financial inclusion. Uh, how you can find a way to put together a measurement that is valid for everybody. And this is a question that I'm not going to ask you because there is no answer right now. There is is no
1: answer. But what I would say is that, you know, ultimately Tech London Advocates, Global Tech Advocates, we are a grassroots community. And, And my whole focus with this group is what is happening at the ground level? What are interesting companies doing? What are people doing that are hoping to move the needle in this direction. And that's where coming back to the start of our conversation, that's where our working groups come into play. You know, you talk about financial inclusion, you know, we're doing a lot on what we call tech for diversity. And, you know, if you look at, for example, our TLA Black Women in Tech group, they've done an enormous amount to really put the spotlight on Black women in tech. A number of their events focus on bringing investors in to talk about you know, if you're a black female founder, how can you get funding? What do you need to do? Who can you learn from? Who's doing this well? And, you know, we do that, you know, across many of our working groups, you know, in our circular economy group. What are some of the practical basic things that that are happening out there that we can roll up and say, look, it's not rocket science, folks. Follow some of these steps, make some of these connections. And if we're collectively doing all of this, Elisa, We will start to move the needle. You know, I we've got a tech for diversity event coming up where we will have many of our working groups focused on this space talking honestly about what's working, but what's not working, and how do we learn from what's not working and really address it? And I spend a lot of my time talking to men and in particular white men about how do we play a role in helping to fund female founders, Black female founders, founders from diverse backgrounds, from diverse sexual orientations, founders who have disabilities, because we have a stake in this. You know, people call it allyship. But, you know, to me, this is just about the conversations that basically say, if we do these things collectively, we will make a difference. So I do see a lot of people just talking the talk. I am much more interested in people walking talk and demonstrating that they're doing some practical things to make a difference.
0: Absolutely, I totally agree with you. We really need to go into action to make okay. uh, the change. Absolutely. And uh, well, about the environment that, that, we, can, uh, that we, we can feel uh, around London and around UK, um, what do you think um, uh, London and, and UK is doing good in impacting tech? And what do you think we can do better uh, in this area?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with the progress that that London has made. I mean, if you look broadly at tech um, and there was a report that came out, I think it was in January of, of this this year um, from Startup Genome and London and Partners that basically said outside of Silicon Valley, London is probably the best uh, place in the world where you can start up and set up a, a business. And then on top of that, um, there's something called the global, font, the um, I'm sorry, the Global Green Finance Index. It's a bit of a mouthful, and they do updates regularly. And I think the last one, which was number eight actually put london as number 1 in terms of green finance investing. i think amsterdam was second, yeah, san francisco bay area was was third. so you know in a, in a short amount of time i think london is building a global reputation as not only a world leading technology hub but really doing some interesting things when it comes to impact investing, green finance, etc. that said, we can't rest on all laurels. And we have to keep working so much harder to make sure that we are investing in these businesses, that these businesses are becoming successful, not just in, in London or the UK, but they're they're building a true um, global footprint. So that to me is part of the excitement that's happening here. And then I even look at the um the UK government. Um, you know, they recently launched a UK a UK sovereign green bond. I don't see many governments around the world doing things like this. So it kind of, you know, a lot of the pieces are, are there. The funding is, is there. We need more of it. Absolutely. Because we have a monumental task ahead of us, but let's, showcase those companies that are doing well, let's learn how they're succeeding and let's keep building that and, and supporting more and more businesses. That to me is the model that we've got and let's do this where we we know that we have to keep working hard because the planet is at stake. We want more people from diverse backgrounds to work in in the tech sector. you know we want to support ESG agendas. This is this for me is a really crucial part of this and, and why I'm pleased to see where London is today.
0: I mean, we uh, well, I think we, we have done a lot of uh, a lot of work uh, in this in this area, especially in London, uh, and I think the the fact that. Uh, As regards technology, London was uh, already kind of leading, uh, especially in uh, uh, from Europe uh, uh, and uh, and again, uh, kind of competing with Silicon Valley, which is great. (laughs) It's a big achievement. Uh, I mean, um, on the other side. I, I think we need a kind of a global coordination in, in some way. Um, do you think maybe um, the global tech advocates can take the lead? <laughs> in Well, <this> sense? I, <laughs>
1: <or> <laughs> we, we're well positioned to do that. And I think, I think we've already started in that space. So in 2021, last year, we launched our Tech for Net Zero resource hub, And we did it across all of our Global Tech Advocates groups. So if you go on to any, you know, whether it's the Tech Singapore, Tech Bay Area, Tech Mexico, Tech Spain, wherever, if you go onto the websites, you'll see that each of our groups in GTA has supported and is embracing tech for net zero. And in fact, last September during London Tech Week, we did a Global Tech Advocates showcase to have every one of the leaders from around the world talk about what they're doing in the tech for net zero space. We're starting to do more and more of that on diversity and inclusion. So our tech for diversity event that's coming up will include uh, leaders from tech Nordic advocates, tech Netherlands advocates, tech Canada advocates, tech Bay Area advocates to showcase what they're doing in their hubs, their city hubs, their regional hubs to really drive these agendas. And so my role running global tech advocates is, how do we pull all of this together? How do we showcase the similarities? How do we showcase the differences? I just came back um, from Rotterdam, which is where our Tech Netherlands Advocates Group is based. And, you know, there were some differences about what they're doing there, how they, you know, a little bit in the shadow of what's going on in Amsterdam, but what are they focused on? And one of the things that they reminded me of is, you know, Rotterdam sits below sea level. And you know, they have, and I I think they should be more confident in themselves, they have built great technologies and capabilities to help manage a world where sea levels will keep rising. You know, I've said to them, I said, I think you need to get on a plane to Miami and meet with our Tech Florida advocates group, because I don't see much happening in South Florida. And by all projections, that part of the world is going to be underwater in the next few decades. So what do they need to do? So that is where i spend more and more of my time these days is kind of connecting leaders from different tech hubs and then i'm able to pull out what are some of the common themes that we all have in common and one of them is clearly around tech for net zero and looking at climate change and looking at sustainability and you know we do a lot of work with our tech china advocates group you know i know there are issues geopolitically between china and the West. And I don't see that going away, but we do have a lot of commonality because we all share the same planet. So, you know, we want to come together and work with them and see what's, what, what are the startups and scale-ups doing in China on tech for net zero and sharing that across our global our global network. So to your your question, I think there's a lot that we're doing. I think there's more that we can be doing. And that kind of really consumes much of my time these days. As we add more networks into our our, our global community, I'm delighted this year, I've just signed agreements to launch two groups in Africa, Tech Nigeria Advocates and Tech Ghana Advocates, which will be our first two groups in Africa. And we will have GTA groups across all six continents. So I'm really pleased with that. Um, And we can keep learning and helping and supporting each other through GTA.
0: Wow, that's great. <laughs> Amazing. And well, what do you think is the the main uh challenge uh, in, in opening um, the uh, community uh, like TLA, but in general to uh, open this uh, co- collaboration uh, in the emerging countries? You just said uh, you sign up two new countries in, uh, in Africa. Uh, what is the challenge to spread more in this emerging uh, market?
1: I think the the challenge for me really is is one of time and one of resources because there's only so many hours in the day. And again, you know, like the working groups, as I was explaining earlier, the, the Global Tech Advocates groups all happen organically. So it's people coming to me saying, I want to set up a group in this city, in this country, in this region. And you know, we, we, I'm hoping by the end of this year, we'll have close to 30 groups. You know, I've had a few false starts with some people saying they wanted to set up this group in this particular country. And then they came back to me a couple months later and said, look, I don't think I can do this. That's fine, that's, you know, I'd rather make sure that people feel comfortable that they can be part of this community and have the time and commitment to do so because everyone's a volunteer. Everyone who runs one of these groups has a day job. They're running a startup. They're an investor. Um, They're doing something else. You know, they might be a lawyer or, you know, they could be an educator, but they're passionate about tech. So really, ultimately, for me, the expansion of what we're doing just relates to um, more of a limitation of resources, which is what every startup and every scale up is dealing with. You, You have only so many hours in the day. You only have so much funding. You only have so many resources. And and I ask a lot of people because they're all volunteers and they're all doing this because they believe in something on top of what they're doing in their day job.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a commitment. Uh, anyway, you're a volunteer, but you are doing something that is uh, really, well, it takes time. Of course it takes time. So. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of time, <laughs> but it's uh, again, it's, it's amazing. And um, how do you see um uh, the f- in the future, uh, technologies and, uh, and impact investing will work together uh, in the next, I don't know, five, 10 years. How things will change uh, in your mind?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so excited about a number of technologies. You know, obviously, there is a lot of interest in, in blockchain and NFTs. Um, there's robotics, there's data and AI. Uh, I think quantum is going to be incredibly exciting. I still think we're a ways away from that. But I think the potential for that is great. But I think in the near term, something, and this may sound a little bit mundane, but something that just really excites me is 5G. I just got my iPhone 13 and I'm on 5G. Hooray! <laughs> um, but but I, I, I say that because I, I really think 5G has the potential to lift us into a new generation of cleaner more sustainable technologies once they're fully rolled out I know in London our 5g infrastructure is crucial for our status as a smart city um, because I think it's going to enable the adoption of new generations of technology and for for a number of organizations it's also going to help them to bring down costs you know, You know, I can move around London and be on 4G. And sometimes if I'm in a crowded space, I'm looking at my phone and saying, but I'm on 4G and I can't do anything. Well, it's because everybody else is on the network. So if you're onto 5G, you've got more capacity. You've got shorter latency times. You've got the ability to connect to multiple devices. So I think this is going to be a really exciting, underpinning technology. Yes, you know, you've got fiber you've got DSL, Um, you know, I see roadworks happening to put fiber to the home and fiber to the office. And that's great. But in the next few years, 5G (laughs) is going to have to really carry that heavy lifting in terms of having more of our networks being able to have high-speed services. And when that happens, when we see greater speeds uh, happen, we're going to see quantum I think take off because we need the computing power through our network infrastructure to deliver on what quantum is all about. There's a huge amount of excitement as you know, Elisa, about web three and metaverse. And I think it's gonna be fantastic. We're gonna launch a global tech advocates metaverse working group in addition to a, a quantum group very soon. But to me, those exciting technologies are gonna be limited by the speed of our networks and what they're capable of delivering in terms of data volumes and the speed of transmission. So that, that's something that really excites me.
0: So, Do you think the, uh, the main point will be really to reach a kind of uh, global reaching with the 5G, uh, even in the space that maybe today, uh, it's kind of difficult to reach by fiber and, and the uh, other way of, of network?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, if you look globally, both China and the US are, I think, are well ahead on deployment of 5G networks. I think the UK and Europe are behind, but hopefully catching up. And then I think you've got markets, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in Latin America, parts of India, Southeast Asia, that hopefully they can also move and move towards 5G technology. You know, the practicalities of getting fiber directly to many homes and offices in different parts of the world is tricky. Um, you know, there are limitations to the DSL networks that are out there today. So for me, you know, what do we know? We know most people and people in many developing markets have a mobile phone and many of them have smartphones. So um, if that means putting into place 5G capabilities into those places and connecting more and more of those people, Um, that's a really positive thing that I think, you know, we're kind of focused on 2050 in terms of having the world being carbon neutral or net zero, you know, I think that needs to be faster, you know, we're looking at where do we need to be at the end of this decade in terms of, you know, the carbon particles that are in the environment. So we're looking there, but I'm also saying, but wait a minute. We've got technology capabilities that we can deploy now that can help us to get to more of these solutions more effectively and really enhance the impact investing that we can do um, if we know that we have robust network infrastructure that can offer more solutions to more people more quickly. I mean, the world in the past 20 years has just become so interconnected you know, I have to remind people, you know, the first iPhone came out 15 years ago, and that was a, a revolution. And, and now look at the penetration of smartphones. And You just say, well, in the next five to 10 years, where are we going to be? And if we're all communicating and supporting each other through these incredibly fast and efficient networks, the use cases for enterprises, the use cases for consumers, and the solutions around sustainability are going to reach us more quickly, and again, that's important because the clock is ticking and the planet is burning and the oceans are rising and, you know, this is a race against the clock. So that to me is why this is important.
0: Um, Do do you think 5G will also play uh, an important role in financial inclusion as well?
1: Yes, I I sincerely hope so. I think, again, um, people who have access to faster networks and speeds and downloading and can run their businesses um, using the benefits of 5G network, I think are going to be very important. And I think, and I hope that we get deployment of 5G networks in in areas, particularly into disadvantaged communities, into more rural communities where people have felt excluded, um, people have felt cut off. Um, I think this is, you know, there are hopefully going to be many equalizers out there that we desperately need to have. And I hope and think that 5G is one of them. I mean, there's a whole nother discussion around data and how we manage our data and the ethics around data. Um, to me, data is also interlinked with 5G. Um, you know, we, we, we've had a kind of a, um, a focus where, you know, the, 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 the algorithms for AI... Have built been built by white men and and to me the risk of that is going to be a whole new generation of data pools that are orientated towards white men but we need to change that paradigm and if we can do that in conjunction with better high-speed networks with better capabilities around quantum i really hope it levels the playing field so that businesses founders from diverse backgrounds um from disadvantaged backgrounds are not always playing catch up, but they have the capabilities, and I hope the investor engagement. That's that's another topic here. How do we get the the investors to engage with these diverse groups more proactively? But if they can say, "Look, I'm running a really good business. I've got 5G. I've got data sets that are you know not." Uh, where there's no unconscious bias, all that kind of stuff, that levels the playing field. And the good news for me, Elisa, is that I meet more and more investors who are saying we're focused on ESG, environment, society, and governance. And therefore, they are going to be looking at metrics and ways in which, as they invest in companies, they want to see these capabilities come to the forefront. You know, you've got the, um, the EU with its um, sustainable finance disclosure regulation. There's articles, I think it's six, eight and nine, which it's all a bit of a mouthful, but I'm hearing more and more investors saying, we're paying attention to that. We're not just gonna adopt article six or article eight, but we're gonna go the full Monty for article nine, which is really putting the spotlight on investors who are saying, we want to embrace ESG in totality. Mistakes will be made, not everybody will be successful, but if more and more the investor community is adopting these approaches and these standards and regulations, I think that's that's a good thing. And now we just, coming back to my group and my community, we just need to keep doing a better job of connecting who we see in our grassroots community to the right investors who can help them to fund things. Because ultimately, you know, everybody plays a part in this whole ecosystem, you know, you've got founders, investors, um, institutions, but ultimately we need the capital to make this happen. And venture capital has built a good track record over the past couple of decades in terms of helping us with these technologies. And I think it's gonna play a vital role with respect to impact investing.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the... The the topic about investors is again uh, one huge topic. Sometimes still a bit painful. Uh, I mean, we are we are not there yet. <laughs> we are not
1: there yet. We have a long way to go. The, the, I mean, if I you know I've been at this for a while now. So I've been running TLA for nine years, GTA for seven years. I have seen a perceptible shift where people are embracing this and are really serious about it. And now I keep saying that's great but you now need to demonstrate that you're moving the needle. And I'm really heartened, particularly over the past two years, and maybe this was also in conjunction with the pandemic where I think investors have really said, we've got to raise our game. We've got to invest in diverse founders. We've got to get behind sustainability and the circular economy. And we need to make sure that we're demonstrating that we're really serious about investing in businesses that are indicative of what we want our fund to represent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, again, it's, um, um, well, we see a lot of uh, traditional investors, um, family offices, VCs as well, that are start to asking a uh, question. I've got a lot of content uh, uh, sometimes on, on LinkedIn that, uh, uh, well, VC asked me, what is impact investing? Um, how can I choose startups? Uh, what I need to do now? Uh, so I see uh, a lot of, movement now much more than in the past um i still see um a lot of need of maybe education in in some way uh which is something that we are trying to do with the summit as well yes. and, and our newsletters and or these things um and you as well with the tla and uh and the the, uh, the global tech advocate as well um do you think um there is uh, a specific way that we need to talk with uh, our fellow investors <laughs> to take them on board. <laughs> um, Maybe there is some uh, key that say, okay, this is something that they want to hear and they, they can understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I don't think there's any one hard, fast way to do this or any terminology that we should use. I mean, people are tending to use ESG as kind of that, that, that catch-all phrase. Um, but I, I ultimately think, you know, it goes back to the core of what this is about, which is, you know, startups, founders, entrepreneurs coming to the table with a really good idea um, that's going to make a difference, um, that they believe in, that they can demonstrate is going to change things or there's a role for it in the market or it's fixing a problem that hasn't been fixed before and to explain that in a way to an investor that says you know you have your objectives with the the fund that you're running you know we think our business is a great way for you to invest because it meets the objectives of what you're trying to do and to me it's it's kind of that level of simplicity. Now, obviously, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, but I think at its core, that's what we need these founders and entrepreneurs to do. Now, going a step beyond that, I think, and it is happening, but I think because we have seen funds go into mainly entrepreneurs who are white men, we need to do a lot more work in terms of both sides of the equation. You know, how do we get for example, a Black woman to to be skilled in terms of how she presents and pitches her business. You know, again, going back to when I set up TLA nine years ago, you know, the, the classic elevator pitch, there were a lot of workshops out there to help people with their pitch stories. Silicon Valley did it brilliantly for years. And as London was starting to take off, some of those pitches were not very good. I think today, people have learned that. But as a female founder, as a black female founder, or as a founder with disabilities, you you, you probably have extra challenges that you're going to face in terms of either your experience in pitching, or remembering that you are pitching probably to a group of white men who will have not maybe conscious but unconscious bias in terms of investing in a white woman or a black woman or somebody who has a disability and. That's where I think we need to focus on our education. You know, I've been on boards of companies and I think companies really want to make sure that they're doing the right thing, they're they're embracing the right thing. But sometimes when you push people, and I have some personal experiences where I was pretty horrified of the unconscious biases that were coming through. And that will take time and education. And that's why, you know, you know, funds that are led by uh, women, you know, I look at Angel Academy, I look at Marion Ventures, you know, there are other funds that are out there that are focused on women or minorities. Um, Those are really important. But I think the bulk of the funding does come from investment funds that are run by white men, and we've got to do some work to educate them on why this is important and what, you know, when you invest in a white female founder, you know, there might be a few things that might be a little bit different about that. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's a good thing. So that to me is where I think we need to build the bridge from an education point of view. There's still too many accepted norms that we need to break.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm totally agree with you, Russ, Um, I mean, I would also like to see some more female investors as well, yes. uh, especially in tech, because when I, when I go to all the uh, networking meetings and everything, uh, I, well, I'm not saying that I'm just the, the only one, women in the, in the room, but yeah. <laughs> we are close to that. <laughs> I, I agree, and, and, but then the
1: question back to all of us is, how do we encourage more women to become investors, to be angel investors, or to work for a venture capital fund, or to get into a private equity business, or work for a family a family wealth office, um, you know that space has obviously traditionally been men. But what are we doing to encourage more women in that space? You know, there's a great organization called Maths for Girls, which is actually part of Founders for Schools, and um, You know, Maths for Girls is very much focused on encouraging young women when they turn 16 and they're looking at their, you know, going beyond uh, going into sixth form college, whatever, to continue with math and it doesn't have to be for science or engineering, it could be for business. And and many businesses, many city businesses, you know, have contributed funding because they want more women to come into the finance world. And and that is also something that we need to address and fix. You know, they don't have to study math to be scientists, but, you know, having a maths background and going to, to get more maths experience is really good. I think the UK is one of the few, if only developed economies of the world that don't require young people, young men or women to study math beyond the age of 16. And and I think that's a shame. Um, And I think the way we approach maths, is there a way in which we can do it so that it is more approachable for people who want to go into business and economics rather than science um, and engineering? So there's a whole series of questions there, but I hope we can keep encouraging more young women to study math and to look at careers in finance, in investment, and to get involved with getting behind startups. I the, the the women I've met in this space. To your point, they're not as many as we'd like, but boy, there's some really impressive women out there doing some great things. So how do we clone them? How do we how do we get more of them into these funds? Is a key part of what we need to be doing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. This is the 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 key question, and and again, we we come back to. The basics to community like yours, to um, events uh, and uh, and um, newsletter like uh, mine or, or other initiatives that can really keep this conversation going uh, yes. and uh, and spread the voice and yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it's and it's and, about keeping the conversation going, but it's also about highlighting what is being done, what are the steps that are being done, who's doing them. Why are they doing them? Are they being successful? And are we shouting enough about them if they if they're they're doing the right things? Um, are we naming and shaming those who are not doing the right things? Are we you know we as a group, as a community, as a society, we can have a lot of influence over this. And you know again, who are those who are walking the talk, and who are those who are just talking? And and and. Thankfully, I see more people walking the talk, but there's still too much talking the talk. and that is where we, you, me and others like us have got to put the spotlight on and say, okay, enough of the talk. We got to deliver here Let's What do it, yeah. are you doing? <laughs> what changes are you making? you know and look, it can only it only needs to be two or three things, but try things and and I'm finding more people saying, yeah, I want to try something. Where do I begin? Great let's sit you down we'll have a conversation we'll introduce you to some folks there are a lot of people out there in the grassroots community who know how to do this who are happy to help
0: yeah totally agree we need to go into action <laughs> and and show what is done absolutely uh, and yeah. and what we can do together i love yes. i love it <laughs> so um just uh one last question sure. uh What about the the leaders uh, in in Impact in Tech? Um, Who uh, do you think will be uh, leading the change? Uh, Will be the founders, will be investors, institutions, um, community? uh, Who will be the the push?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, like anybody who works in an ecosystem, I think they all have a critical role to play. You know, I am heartened to see more and more founders and entrepreneurs, younger people who are, who are getting involved in setting up businesses with a purpose or with a focus on sustainability. And I think that is just fantastic. And I think this next generation of leaders and founders, I think we're gonna do some really fantastic things. Um, I think the investors, you know, to me it's capital plays a huge part of it. Most of these founders will need to raise money. And especially if they're growing quickly, they'll need the funding to really help them to scale and scale quickly. So they play a role, and institutions play uh, a role here. You know, whether it's you know the government, um, big financial institutions, the pension funds. Um, you know, we have to have much more of an open mind about how business is going to be done going forward. Um, you know, the rules that applied 10, 15, 20 years ago, they may no longer apply. And so we have to make sure, and, you know, we, we we live and work in a society that is hugely transparent. Everything that we do today, you know, it gets posted on social media, everything is is pretty transparent. So we all have a role to play in this. But I guess if I had one message here, it's really to the investor community, which is You know, you will help unlock these changes by taking risks, by investing in diverse founders and by taking chances on business models that might look and feel a bit different, but ultimately could potentially solve problems with respect to sustainability and climate change and some of those new technologies that are only just starting to gain traction. That really is a a key part of this message.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that, um, I mean, there are a lot of we can, (laughs) we can talk more. (laughs) I know we, uh, we have uh, a short time today, but hopefully we we, uh, are going to talk again. Um, But um, if someone want to join uh, your community, how uh, they can be uh, in touch with you, how can, uh, how they can join the community and be members?
1: Yep. The easiest way, and this is ingrained from everybody from day one, is we've got over 13,000 in the London community. If you know a Tech London Advocate, just have them introduce you to me. If you don't know a Tech London Advocate, reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, you heard about this through this this, uh, discussion that we've been having together. I will follow up and connect with you. We'll trade emails. We'll send you a welcome email. And you're in the community. And if there's a particular working group that you want to be involved with, you're welcome to do that too. Um, If you're in a different part of the world, you're still welcome to join Tech London Advocates. But if you're sitting in an area where we might have a global tech advocates group, let me know. And I'll connect you to the lead of that group. And I'm sure they would be delighted to welcome you to their, their GTA group. So it's pretty easy
0: well that sounds great thank you so much russ um uh, we are thank going you. to share uh, of course your your linkedin as well <laughs> so people can uh, can connect with you and of course the website of tla yes, as well yes. so uh thank you again it was great to chat with you today uh, amazing conversation um amazing insight uh from you and uh Again, a great honor to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Elisa. Great to be chatting with you and uh, good luck with the Expanse Summit. Looking forward to it.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Russ.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. Hey, I really hope you enjoyed this interview. If you did, go to newsletter.impactintech.org and subscribe to our updates and videos. Spread the voice of Impact in Tech, be part of the community. Let's make an impact together every day as we build up the Impact Nation.